I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to Freedom Machines with Freddie Dobbs. I'm so sorry, first of all, because usually... I like to post these podcast episodes on a Friday evening, so I usually like to grab a beer at about 4pm, sit down and do the podcast, but we've just been so busy with this Mutt motorcycle that we picked up on Wednesday that we went on a little road trip that we set off on Thursday evening and we only got back on Saturday evening, so I've been absolutely non-stop. So I'm now speaking to you on Monday morning. So instead of having a beer, I've just had a coffee and a sandwich and I'm ready to go. And there's been a lot going on actually. So let me just start with a little bit of news, a few things I've found interesting and then I'll give you a bit of an update about exactly what I've been up to. And I wanted to start actually with a lot, a lot of nice messages that I've had over the week. And just to show how great and diverse the biking community is, because I've had messages from everyone this week, from Boeing 747 pilots to German hairdressers currently doing up their 1955 Vespers and everything in between. And the one thing that brings everyone together, their love of biking. So thank you so much, everyone for getting in touch on any format, whether it be on YouTube, the podcast, or Instagram. I kind of wanted to give you and to start this podcast with a tip. And that tip was going actually to be car-related, but maybe something that could be translated to motorbikes. Because Monica, my partner, who I'm sure you've heard of a few times. She does all of the photography. I tried to get her in the YouTube videos, but she's extremely camera shy and she's actually sitting opposite from me editing away. Um, her mum had an MOT for her car and it failed on the emissions. And to cut a long story short, 
I was given a tip-off by the garage saying, look, before you spend £500 on a catalytic converter, go out, buy a fuel additive, put it into the petrol tank, drive it hard for 100 miles and bring it back. So I bought the additive, drove it, uh, took it back to the MOT testing station, and unfortunately it didn't do anything and it, it barely even reduced the emissions at all. So we got a quote of £680 from QuickFit to fix it. And this is only about a £1,000 car. It's a Hyundai i10, small little 1.1 litre car. Uh, so we didn't know what to do. So we took it away and Monica's mum booked it in with a local mechanic, you know, not one of these big chains to hopefully get it cheaper. The local mechanic then said, look, I know what to do. I'll put one of my fuel additives in that I know works really well. I'll take it on a drive, get it to the MOT testing station and give it to the MOT tester. And the MOT is the annual check that we have in the UK. Give it to them when the engine's hot and I'm sure that will pass it. So it was taken to the MOT testing place failed again. Uh, so that was in total three MOT failures. And in the end, Monica's mum had to stump up. And I think it was about still in the end, even with the cheaper rate, £600. And that's painful when it's only a £1,000 car. I didn't realise actually how expensive catalytic converters are. So I'm not going to start the podcast with a tip for you because unfortunately it didn't work. In other news, Jamie Oliver, the celebrity chef. Now, this is interesting because I always have these kind of, I'm always around this type of thing living in Southeast London, theft of vehicles. Jamie Oliver in the news tracks down his stolen tractor and he slams the police as they, and I'm quoting here, fail to help. It's just a problem because I feel his pain having so many motorcycles stolen from our, our lockup. Anyone who has their motorcycles stolen, if you don't have a tracker, especially in the UK, I don't know if it's the same in other countries, let me know if it is, you will not be getting your bike back. And I'm not having a go at the police, I'm, I'm sure there are reasons why, but if your motorbike gets stolen, the police will not chase up on it. Um, there's never ever been a police recovered at uh, the police there's never been a motorcycle recovered by police in the six years that i've lived in the development and over 10 motorcycle thefts there's never been one recovered by police the owners have recovered them because of the tracker but they've had to go and recover them off their own back and it sounds like Jamie Oliver's had the exact same problem. He, he was not happy with the police. So basically, he had to go and find it himself. And he managed to find it and recover his tractor. And a little, it seems to be my weekly segment, actually, on electric motorcycles. Something keeps drawing me back to them. But I actually, I have finally found, and I'm really ridiculously excited about this. I found, for the first time ever an electric motorcycle brand, a company that I genuinely would love to buy one of their motorbikes. It's unbelievable. They've created completely classically styled motorcycle, which is 100% electric. And this is what I always say with electric bikes. I know there's the Zero, I know there's the Livewire. They're fine looking bikes, but they're sporty style bikes. You know, if you show an onlooker, you know, Monica, for example, she says the Livewire looks like a Yamaha or Kawasaki. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with those. But for those people who like the modern classic looking bikes, 
There's nothing for electrics. Until now, until in 2020, an electric motorcycle manufacturer called RGNT came along. And I've only just discovered them. And I'm opening up their website because it's a Swedish company designed and built in Sweden. And honestly, this thing, they do two models, the Scrambler and the normal one. It looks like a Bonneville. It looks absolutely brilliant. Spoked wheels, single headlight, exactly like a Bonneville, but the engine's been replaced with this, of course, electric motor. And, and it looks good. It, they haven't tried to make it look super futuristic. Imagine a normal standard Bonneville, and instead of the engine being there, there's an electric motor, but it doesn't look ridiculously futuristic. It's got some fins to let the air go past on the motor, and it is an, a work of art. It's an electric bike, the first one I've ever, ever seen that I would go out and buy. And for me, this is the future. And I'm going to give you some stats here, because... This is, this is a really big step. And I'm, I'm really surprised because it's a Swedish company, hand-built. And I'm sure labor is not cheap in Sweden, just like the UK. So this surprises and excites me. Let me tell you the stats. £10,950 for this bike. Oh, no, euros. €10,950 for this bike. When you consider the live wire is £29,000, so over €30,000. I think this is a game changer. I cannot tell you how excited I am by this. Top speed, 120 kilometers an hour. So that's about 75 miles an hour. Not quick, but it's good enough. Range, 120 kilometers, 75 miles. It's not as long as the live wire, but I'll stomach that because of the price, because the price is so reasonable. It's eight hours to charge it just with your at-home charger. And you could say, yeah, that's a lot, but, 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 this is only £10,000, this bike. This isn't a £29,000 bike, so it's cheap, and it looks so damn good, you desperately want it. So I'll stomach that because of what the bike represents. Riding it to work as a commuter, putting it in the back of the van for some off-road fun, but for me, it's a commuter. It's the coolest possible commuter. Ride it to work, ride it back, charge it at night at that price point, And when it looks that brilliant, I think that is a seriously, seriously viable bike. So well done to the Swedes. There's actually one more bike as well that's come along and it's called the Damon Hypersport electric bike. They have a hundred horsepower. This really looks to me very similar spec-wise to the Harley Livewire, but the difference is this Damon Hypersport is half the price of the Livewire. So a few people have been messaging me and saying, look, the Livewire, it's not come along to be a viable bike. It's come along to be a proof of concept and no more than that. And actually that's, the absolute perfect way to look at the live wire. As it stands, it's not viable. You can't spend you can't spend 29k on a motorcycle and justify it as a sens sensible purchase, but you can justify it as owning an original, a proof of concept. And if you're comfortable enough with money, I get that. I would probably do the same as well. So there's definitely a place for it. But now there are other brands coming along. Oh, they're getting more and more viable. So I'm excited by that. And moving on, that's that's my nice little update done. Oh, actually, no, I've got two other things, or one other thing as well. Just UK bike prices. A friend of mine 
has had a Honda CB600R or CBR650, uh, 600, I forget how it's, uh, how the name is exactly, but he basically, he bought this bike for £1,800 about six, seven years ago, because probably even eight years ago, actually, about, about eight years ago for £1,800. It's got about 68,000 miles on the clock. No MOT, because I think he's relocating. It's got no MOT, um, it's got no nothing basically hasn't been serviced in a while and he was selling it expecting to get maybe maybe about 500 pounds for it but he just sold it for a thousand pounds you know it's biking season here in the UK and bike prices you don't get a bargain in the UK with motorbikes that's a seriously good price he's almost had it so long it's dropped down to its bottom point and starting rise started rising back up again so that's a seriously good result for him and moving on to Mutt, because on Wednesday of this week, which is five, or last week, which is f five days ago now, I went to pick up my bike for the week. And this is something I've been hugely excited about. And I'm just as excited about getting these little small capacity, great value bikes as I am about getting, you know, the big Indian Scouts, the, the Bonneville T120s, things like that. So I drove with Monica from London up to Birmingham. And actually, let me just give you an update or an overview because a lot of people don't know what Mutt is. And actually, hand on heart, until six months ago, I didn't know what Mutt is. Mutt Motorcycles are a British motorcycle brand and they focus on making small capacity 125 and 250cc motorbikes. They've been going for six years and what they offer, in essence, out of the box custom motorbikes, but proper out of the box custom. There's absolutely nothing that you need to do. They look very similar, for example, to the Bonnevilles, the Scramblers, things like that, really classically styled. Aspirational small capacity bikes for the masses with very, very reasonable price points. So, Monica and I drove up three and a half hours from London up to Birmingham, and they've got, they're doing really well at the moment. Most of the bikes are sold out. Sorry for the background, that's just the coffee. But most of the bikes are sold out, so they actually had to, especially for me, make a motorbike on Wednesday morning for me to come and pick up at 3 p.m. on Wednesday. So this bike had 0.9 miles on the clock. So Monica and I drive up, get to the destination, and it's this great looking old building with a completely painted black facade, and they're 70% through making this brand new HQ destination dealership. So we drive up, still no proper signage because it's in the development process. Pull up, get out the car, and we're met by one of the team at Mutt, and she, invite, she invites us in. And inside we go, and on the right-hand side, you've got this great-looking old architecture. On the left-hand side, you've got this big open space with all of the different mutt models that they're working on. They're finishing, they're adding the final touches to. On the right-hand side, you've got what will be a coffee shop. Go straight ahead, and you've got a huge table, I guess, where they have their meetings and things like that. But the second I walked in there, I don't know if there are any listeners who have been to any Deus Ex Machina places, but it reminded me of 
a place called Changu in Bali, which is where all the surfers and the custom bikers go. And Deus have a real destination dealership there. You can buy motorbikes, you get some delicious food, have coffee, buy their gear, their clothing. And it's a real place that you want to go. And this has the exact same vibe. What they want to create is a real lifestyle brand and a, a destination where people want to come on a Saturday and a Sunday. And when I walked in, you just get soaked in, you get sucked in by it. It's a really amazingly cool place. It should be finished in June. They'll have a big launch party there. And that's that's a huge thing for, for Birmingham to have a real destination place like this. Honestly, it's it's just as cool. I was about to say even cooler, but no, it, it really is just as cool as Bike Shed. Uh, it's, it's an eye-opening place, actually. We need more places like that. So we went in. The bike. The bike was there in the middle of the the showroom just to the left-hand side. We were talking about the bike and Mutt and what they've been up to and things like that. They then showed me around the bike. 0.9 miles on the clock. Mutt Mastiff. 250cc bike. And just looking at it, it's so similar to, well, not just the Bonneville, but even a lot of people have said to me it's very similar to the 1970s Husqvarna's, the Huskies and things like that, that uh, you'd have Steve McQueen and the likes riding through on the desert races with. And actually I had to Google that to see, and it's true. It's such a beautiful, classically designed motorbike. 130 kilos, 4,250 pounds for the 250cc version and three and a half thousand pounds for the 125cc version and this is in my mind just about the coolest entry point into motorbiking that you can possibly get when i first started biking 10 years ago there was nothing cool if you wanted to start learning to ride either you went out and you bought in my eyes one of these oh, just dreadful looking plastic you know plastic little japanese one two five scooter type bikes or you had to fork out 700 quid or so to take your your motorcycle training in your test that would take usually about a week there was no middle ground but now you've got these brilliant companies like mutt coming along you can go out as a 16 year old at or at any age no bike test or anything go out and buy this one two five cc bike it's very similar proportion-wise as well to the Bonneville. Slightly shorter wheelbase, funnily enough, sh slightly higher seat height. But it's a bike that, it really does look every bit as good as the Bonneville. So you can go up, buy one of these, take your time to learn how to ride on one of these. Not powerful enough to get yourself into any situations, but it's got enough power where you can go anywhere. You know, I took it on a 300 mile round trip to the coast over the weekend absolutely fine motorway 75 miles an hour no issue at all all day and it just gives you freedom immediately take your test at your own time you can even take your test on this bike and it opens up a whole world of biking fun without the pressure of having to fork out a huge amount of money to take your test in the direct access format whereby you have to effectively rent a five or six hundred cc bike out every day for five days and have the instructor there teaching you so 
I think these are really quite game-changing bikes, actually, and they're fun bikes in their own right. Small capacity bikes, brilliant fun. You don't lose any element of the excitement, the adventure, the fun going on the country lanes, throwing the bike from left to right because it's so light. Really, really an amazing bike, and I've had a lot of messages over the week. People from the USA, Germany, all over the place, contacting to say, God, we need to get these bikes over into our countries and i know that in the usa mutter just waiting for i think they call it in the us dot approval in order to be able to sell them in the us and germany i think i think imminently they're about to start selling them there as well so this should spread and be significantly more mainstream in the future and i had a message from an old school biker actually who said that he remembers when he was young, he had a Triumph Tiger Cub. And I didn't actually know exactly what this was. So I went on to Google and I, I had a look at this. The Triumph Tiger Cub was a great looking bike, classically styled like a Bonneville, for example, or a Scrambler. And it was a 200cc. And I actually had no idea that Triumph used to make these super small capacity bikes. And I wonder if there is a market for it. You know, would you get the likes of Triumph and others making these cool retro bikes more geared towards the learner bikers? I've also had a few bikers who also live in London saying to me that they're going to buy a Mutt because it's just too expensive insuring a motorbike in London. And it really is. It's incredibly expensive insuring bikes in big cities like London because the crime's bad. So it just pushes up the premium. So a few people who have passed their big bike test but they'll actually be getting the 250 mutts, for example, because they're so, so dirt cheap to insure. A few people as well have messaged me on Instagram just to say that they're going to be getting a mutt, putting it in the back of their van and then driving off for a weekend adventure. It's so small, you can literally lift it up, chuck it in the back of the van, squeeze it into one half of your van, and it's a really, really easy bike to live with. It's gotta be one of the coolest 125s on the market, and I've just had a look on Autotrader to see what I can find for you. If you're new into biking, what are the Mutt motorbikes like? Used values. So, in fact, it's quite interesting. They hold their value very, very well. Let's say if they start from about 3.5k, cheapest one, cheapest one, £2,000 for Mutt Sabbath. That's a 2017 model. 125cc but they've all got small miles there aren't many for sale which i usually find quite a good sign people clearly probably like to hang on to them there aren't too many of them 588 miles on the clock two thousand pounds for a 2017 mutt mutt fat sabbath really really nice looking bike and then you've got a mutt mongrel as well i like this one two and a half k for a 2019 model so it's only really come down, it's only come down about a thousand pounds in two years. So you can get one for two and a half K and you're probably not going to be losing any money on them actually. They really do hold the value very well. So that is a really, really quite interesting secondhand proposition. I'd say that's a pretty solid buy. So have a look for those. If you're new into biking, you want to learn how to, you want to learn how to ride and actually you want to learn how to change gears just get the feel of 
a, a big size bike because this isn't far off a normal size bike. Take my word for it. If you if you buy one of these mutts, or I know there's some others, I think held as well. It's not specifically about mutt. If you go out and buy one of these, you're going to get all of the learning that you need for motorcycling, the gear changing, the brakes, front, back brake, the balancing, just manhandling and maneuvering a bike and riding in general, the grip, everything. You learn everything you need to know on this bike and you can do it at your own pace with no pressure of taking or, you know, of spending 500 pounds every time you want to take a test in order to get or have more lessons. It's a really interesting way to go about taking your test. So, Best, well, yeah, I was just, just going back to it. Best one to five on the market, Mutt. I know Harold do some as well, so have a look out for those. And at used prices, around about two, two and a half K, that is an interesting proposition. And on to the final part of the episode, question time. I had a question that blew my mind a bit, actually, because after I did the, the Harley Livewire video, Someone messaged me, someone emailed me actually and said, electric is the future, but is it the solution? Wow, and I had to think a bit then. That's, hmm. Took me about two minutes to wrap my head around that. It's the future, it, this is the future, but, but is it the solution? What did he mean by that? And I think I understand it because I do get two to three messages a week saying look the damage that's going to be caused with all of these batteries and disposing of them in the future it will be unsustainable and it will actually be worse than internal combustion vehicles petrol and diesel and i don't know if that's the case i don't know but there there are definitely a significant amount of people who think for one batteries are incredibly harmful and also how on earth can our infrastructure our electric grid infrastructure cope with everyone everyone in the country charging their electric vehicles i mean of course things will improve but it's an interesting it's an interesting kind of question to wrap your head around because yeah batteries in themselves they're not great for the environment um hmm Still trying to wrap my head around that one. Uh, it's an interesting point. Most embarrassing, the final question. Most embarrassing moments riding a motorbike. These actually, I've got three. And they all come from early on when I was just, when I just passed my test. In fact, actually, that's a lie. One was only about two years ago. But they most come from fairly early on in my biking story. I remember actually when I used to, when I first passed my test and I used to commute from Greenwich in East London over to my office when I had a recruitment company, so over to Richmond. And that was basically dissecting the entire width of London, straight from far, far east to far west. And I was riding along on a, a dual carriageway and you have to lane split in London. You have to, otherwise you won't get anywhere. And it was about week one into me biking. I was riding along and I was incredibly nervous lane splitting. And I was awkwardly looking behind me and almost shaking on the bike. And then a guy pulls up, open face helmet Bonneville, pulls up next to me. And he does the, 
the breathing sign next to me. I must have looked like in such a panic that another biker actually pulled up level with me and started doing the breathing sign to me. So I then pulled over and tried breathing. I must have looked like I was hyperventilating and then I carried on. But I thought that's extremely nice of that cool biker to, uh, to take a moment out of his time to tell me to calm down. And then after that, well, I didn't immediately improve, but it was a nice slow improvement from there. So, so that's one of them. But lane splitting when you're just learning that, I remember how scary that was. That's pretty daunting. And especially when you've got three commuter bikes behind you, right up your tail, desperately trying to get to work, who are used to doing about 50 lane splitting. And then another one, actually, I was out with a, a group of friends after I'd been riding for about a year. And we all, we'd been on a ride for about an hour. And we pulled into this cul-de-sac or this dead end road where there are it's a residential area, lots of houses either side, and we had to turn around. And I decided instead of doing a three-point turn, that I'd try and turn around in the road in one go. So I thought it'd be very clever, turn around in one go. So there we are, all with our sports bikes. I mean, can you call the Suzuki RF a sports bike? I thought it was at the time. I thought it was very cool. So I start turning around. I think, nope, I'm going to save time. I'll turn around in one really quick, sharp U-turn. Tried turning around, fell off the bike because I wasn't going fast enough. So I fell halfway through my U-turn, did a backwards somersault and I was just writhing around on the pavement and I just saw a mum and her children looking from their window at me as just a biker rolling around on the floor with his bike on its side. So then I, my friends had all gone off by this point, so none of them saw this. So they'd all gone and I was there on the floor scratching around, so I got up saw the mum and children looking, pretend, and then I pretended I didn't see them, picked up the bike, and then just whizzed off. It must have looked ridiculous. And then I had something. It's only about two years ago, so this is a bit pathetic. You have to have a key fob to get out of our car park. And I had my Suzuki Bandit at the time, and I forgot my key fob. I couldn't be bothered to go upstairs and get it. So instead of using the vehicle gate, I ended up using a pedestrian gate. So you have to push a button to be able to open the gate. So I push the button, I'm straddled sitting on my Suzuki Bandit, push the button, quickly open the gate, and then I was trying to combine opening the gate by staying on the Bandit and also desperately stretching over to open the gate when I'm still on the Bandit, but balancing it to make sure the bike didn't fall over. And I thought I'd put the side stand down. So I started putting the bike down just to grab the gate because I couldn't grab it. And the bike wasn't. The bike didn't have its side stand out. And the bike then started falling and I couldn't hold it. So the bike, the bandit fell on me, but pushed me and I fell into a bush. So the bike had now trapped me between the bush and my motorbike. And just as I was trapped, I tried lifting it up but I panicked so I lifted it up with my right hand on the throttle so it was at full red line revs with me underneath the bike trapped in a bush and just as I was trapped redlining it my neighbor drove through the car gate and I had to use all my strength it took about 30 seconds of redlining it with people watching in horror and I managed to lift it up and I was so glad I had my helmet on because I was absolutely beetroot. But that's it for this week. I'm so glad I managed to squeeze this into a Monday morning. Thank you everyone so much for listening to this episode. 
You can find me on Instagram at dob.bs. Please do. In fact, I don't know if you can subscribe to the podcast or not, but just give the podcast a comment if you're on Apple Podcasts. I'll see you in the next episode. Have a brilliant week. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.